0: That, that very cool tunnel from uh, an upstairs to a, a lower level in the house. And Ange was just fascinated at the idea of a laundry chute. And as she spent the rest of the day, uh, her curiosity got the better of her. And after a rousing game of marbles, she decided to try it out. So she dropped a marble down the laundry chute, and she was delighted to hear the marble bounce on the concrete basement floor and bounce and bounce and bounce. And the sound was so cool that she did it several more times. Now, her uncle Wendell was not as excited about the marbles down the laundry chute. So when he discovered the marbles in the basement, he came to confront the three visiting Riley kids and said, who put the marbles down the laundry chute? Ange didn't say a word. Today our scripture is gonna be Psalm 51, and Psalm 32. If you've got your Bible or your app, uh, find those two and kind of keep track because we're going to bounce back and forth between Psalm 51 and Psalm 32. And both of these Psalms are included in a list of uh, individual lament Psalms that deal with repentance. If you want the whole list of all seven, that are typically kind of grouped together as repentance psalms. I'd be happy to share it with you. But Psalm 51 was written by King David, following his uh, murder of Uriah the Hittite and Uriah's, uh, and then committing adultery with Uriah's wife Bathsheba. And you can read that whole story in Second Samuel chapters 11 and 12. And this Psalm, Psalm 51, is often connected to Psalm 32. And so we're actually gonna start in Psalm 32 today, and we're gonna begin our message there. In Psalm 32, following the affair and the subsequent murder to hide his sin, David spent nearly a year ignoring, covering up, avoiding, and maybe even making some excuses uh, for his behavior, and as a result of that unconfessed sin David felt the full weight of God's discipline. Look in Psalm 32 at verses 3 and 4. And this is what it says. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today. It says, When I, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me my strength evaporated like water in the summer heat can we imagine summer heat yet don't worry the sermon is long today so by the end you'll be imagining the summer heat it'll be good all right so here is David reflecting now as he writes Psalm 32, reflecting back on what that was like over those months that he avoided uh, dealing with his sin before God. And, And really what strikes me is that David isn't really so different from many of us. The Bible's clear that we all sin. Some of our sins we consider to be small, some we consider to be significant, but God doesn't make those kinds of distinctions. God despises all sin. All sin is a rebellion against his lordship, and it is often fueled by pride and a desire to define right and wrong by our own standards. God takes sin very seriously. In fact, we know from Romans chapter 6 verse 23 that sin carries with it a death penalty. And God has and will go through great lengths to keep his children from being ruined by it. The author of the book of Hebrews Quotes Psalm 3, 11 and 12. This is what Psalm 3, 11 and 12 says. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those that he loves, just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Discipline is not the same as punishment. Discipline is used to move an individual to change their attitude and their behavior. Psalm 119.67 I've decided this is a this needs to be a memory verse for me So I'm gonna write it on a 3x5 index card I'm gonna memorize this verse because I need it. I used to wander off until you disciplined me but now I closely follow your word. That's a beautiful verse. I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now I closely follow your word. That's someone who responds correctly to God's discipline. When we live with unconfessed sin, you know, here's the thing. Let me just take a little time out. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in this message trying to convince you that you have sinned. I'm going to trust that you already know that about yourself. So I don't need to try to convince you. What I do want to do is I want to point out what happens, as evidenced in, in Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, what happens when we don't deal correctly with it. We all have it. When we live with that unconfessed sin, we too will have God's hand on us. God knows that that unresolved sin will lead to pain and suffering. And in the case of those who are unbelievers, it will lead to death. For those of us who are believers, it will lead to a lack of harmony with God, an interrupted relationship. And so God created in each person a conscience that experiences guilt, which is a tool to help move us toward repentance. I like this quote from Warren Wiersbe. He says, guilt is to the conscience what pain is to the body. It tells us that something is wrong and must be made right or things will get worse. Maybe my physical therapy friends would agree with that. Would you like the rest of the story? Ange chucks the marbles down the laundry chute. Uncle Wendell finds them, confronts the three visiting Riley kids who put the marbles down the laundry chute and Ange doesn't say a thing. I would love for the story to say that she was so overwhelmed by her guilt that she went and confessed, but that's not actually what happened. But the guilt just stayed. And about three or four days later, she did confess, not to Uncle Wendell, because that would carry some kind of punishment, but she did confess to uh, her favorite cousin, Karen, But it left such an impression on her that that moment of lying by omission that she remembers it even today. When I was telling her about what my sermon was about, that was the first story that came to her mind was about that. It leaves a mark that guilt should produce repentance. Look at what David says in Psalm 32, verses 5 and 6. David says, finally, there's a great word, finally. After months of covering up and ignoring it and hoping that it would go away, David says, finally, I confessed all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the godly pray to you while there is still time. The sooner we deal with our, the sooner that we deal with our sin and repent from it, the better off we will be. Now, David's confession that's alluded to in chapter th- in Psalm 32 is really described much more fully in Psalm 51. So you flip over to Psalm 51. And what I'd like to do is just look at some of the, the parts of Psalm 51 that give us some examples at how we can come and deal with our sin before God in a right way. So look at Psalm 51 in, in, in verse 1. David begins, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. There's a song I've been meditating on for the last two weeks, a song sung by Katie Torwald, and it's called Praise Before My Breakthrough. Some of the lyrics to that song say, I'll praise before my breakthrough till my song becomes my triumph. I will sing because I trust you. I will bring my heart and I will lift my song. The whole message of that song is, even before I see the victory, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to praise him for what he will do because of his faithfulness, because of his character. And so I can begin worshiping before I see God acting on my behalf. We can see our sin for what it is, only in light of a holy God." When I think about that, the thing that comes immediately to mind is Isaiah's encounter as he's having this vision of being in the, the throne room of God. And all that is happening around the throne of God and all of the worship that is happening by the spiritual beings that are there. And all of that is happening. And Isaiah's immediate response is not to join in, but his immediate response is to see himself sinfully in light of a holy God. And so when we come to a time of of confession and a time of repentance before God, it is appropriate for us to begin with worship. To begin with worship by ascribing to God what is due to him. And so we focus and we speak his character and his nature, his lovingness, his patience, his kindness, uh, his, his being full of mercy, his being a just judge and gracious towards us. Worship is the appropriate way to begin confession and repentance. I think the second thing that we see in Psalm 51 is uh when we come to be when we come to to repent and to confess our sin is to be honest this is how David says it in verse 3 David says for I recognize my rebellion it haunts me day and night Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have not done what it I I have done what is evil in your sight You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just For I was born a sinner. Yes from the moment my mother conceived me But you desire honesty from the womb teaching me wisdom even there Now here's what I notice David knew that God wanted him to be honest in that moment and so he not only does he confess his sin of adultery and murder but also it it carries David to look at his whole life and to say my whole life has been riddled with sin and so he brings all of that to God and I would say my experience Mirrors This in that in those times when I come and I'm confessing that often I think of and I and other things are kind of revealed to me that I have against God or that that stand between me and God other unconfessed sin and I would encourage you when you're in a time of repentance just to ask the Holy Spirit to begin to reveal to you what else is there that I need to confess. And the Holy Spirit will begin to remind you and reveal those things. We see David doing exactly that in Psalm 139, verse 23. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. So this practice of confession and repentance begins with worship. It requires honesty, but in the midst of it, we need to seek restoration. Psalm 51, verse 7, David says, "'Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me, now let me rejoice.'" Don't keep me. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew in me a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take your holy spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and make me willing to obey you. That whole point of of confession and repentance is to have this renewed fellowship with the Father. To be honest with him about what we've done and to agree with him that what we've done is sin against him and him alone. But to seek the restoration. David asked for forgiveness. He asked for a renewal of his joy, a heart of wisdom and a willingness to obey. And those are all great things for us to be seeking as well and asking for we don't want to have anything in our life that would disrupt the fellowship that we have with God so we begin with worship we're honest in the process we seek restoration but then lastly we respond with worship in both Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 it ends With worship which is a natural response to being rescued is a gratefulness to the one who did the work even in his worship David acknowledges that God doesn't desire just religious activity or heartless worship but what God desires most is a humble heart that's moved to trusting obedience Look at Psalm 51, verse 14. It says, Forgive me for shedding blood, O God, who saves. And then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that, I, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice that you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and a repentant heart, O God. So important for us when we sin To deal rightly with the sin Here's what's amazing to me In my own life When I avoid my sin When I try to cover it up When I try to ignore it I kind of feel like a two year old Playing hide and seek When they cover their own eyes Like if I can't see you Then you must not be able to see me And we take that kind of attitude with our own sin. If I ignore it, then maybe God won't notice. Here's the thing. God already sees it. He already knows. And not only that, but he's already dealt with it. He's already given us access to being free from the burden of carrying our own sin. So we need to deal rightly with it. I want you to take, uh, bring your focus to the, our little object lesson in the front. This sign says what? God. And this sign says what? Us. And we said that the rope in between represents a right and healthy relationship with God. Now, that rope, when we started, that rope reached from God to us. Now, can I have one of my friends stretch that out? And what my friends have been working on now is they have been cutting and tying the rope. Every time they cut the rope, it represents our sin. It interrupts that right, healthy relationship, that fellowship with God. And every time that they tie it together, it represents repentance and forgiveness. Now, Charlie, can I have you move this sign And put it at the end of the rope now. Because the rope's the same. The rope is still this healthy relationship. But I want you to notice what Charlie's doing now with the sign. Look at the relationship of the sign, the us sign, to the God sign. After sin, repentance, forgiveness... What happens we actually end up closer and more intimate with our father when we deal rightly with our sin when we come to him and say I have sinned and he quickly offers forgiveness and restoration and our relationship is actually closer and more intimate when we deal rightly with our sin I want to end this morning um, our praise team can come back up. I want to end this morning with this uh, quote by Thomas Constable that talks about two kinds of forgiveness. It says some Christians have wondered why we should ask for God's forgiveness, since the New Testament clearly reveals that God forgives all sin, past, present, and future when he justifies us at conversion. I wanna pray with you this morning and then we'll continue to worship. I wanna encourage you while we're worshiping to have a conversation with your father who already knows your stuff. What is unconfessed between you and him? Would you deal with it this morning in this next song? Let me pray for us. Father, we need this message. And we need this reminder because, Father, only you, only you can deal with our sin. And we thank you that when we come, you run to meet us like that father watching for a lost son. Father, you run to meet us and you wrap us in your arms of love and grace and tenderness and forgiveness and kindness. And you wrap your arms around us and you welcome us into intimate relationship with you again. Father, this morning, would you stir your Holy Spirit in us? That Father, as we listen to the words to this song, as we sing this song, Father, would you please stir our hearts to worship you, to confess, to be honest with you, God, and and enjoy the intimate relationship with you again. We love you in Jesus' name.